0: Hello everybody, this is Paul Miller, and you're listening to the Town Talks Podcast, located in Venice, Louisiana, the fishing capital of the world. Alrighty guys, I'm here today with um, one of our very own captains here at Mexican Gulf, uh, Captain Colin Bird, and Colin, I got you a bottle of this yellowfin vodka.
1: Wow, man. Thank you.
0: Comes with doing the show, but um... Yeah, we're gonna dive off into some beers instead. I think we might, we might crack that open.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely start with a beer. <laughs>
0: yeah, some good stuff. But um, yeah, man, I really wanted to have uh, Colin on the on the show today. For one, I've looked up to you for a long time. You're like one of those captains that, <clears throat> man, you do it all yourself, you know. And it's <laughs> it's something to be really really cool. Like you know you take apart like for instance guys just so you know what i'm talking about like if a reel breaks on colin's boat you know i walked over there several times his deckhand's washing the boat and he's got the reel completely apart you know doing the, doing it all yourself you know and that's yeah it's a big part of who you are right
1: <clears throat> yeah well i don't know fine <laughs> finely tuned uh, equipment definitely speaks for itself um, especially in our industry, when you have to have things operating, you know, yeah, for ten sure. days in a row or twenty days in a row, whatever it may be, being remote, you can't really just run to the store and exactly. fix it. So <laughs> your best option is fixing it yourself. You know, That's yeah. kind of how I've always done it. I'm just,
0: yeah, I mean, we're sitting right here in Colin's house right now, and you you pretty much built this entire house, right?
1: <laughs> I did. Yeah, we uh, we poured the slab the day after Christmas in nineteen. And we moved in Thanksgiving Day of twenty. So wow. we've been here a little over a year. Well
0: wow. Man, it's, it's an amazing place too to say you've done well, a, you. a really, really good job. But um The girls, girls like it. So they <laughs> <out laughs> Yeah, here. you got a you they got a, a house full of girls, don't you? Two <laughs> I, daughters and, and I wife do. as well. Yeah, I do. That's awesome. Well, um man, tell us a little bit about like how you how you got into fishing to begin with. Um of course you grew up here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, but like kinda you know go off into how you got in, into fishing in, to begin with you know
1: um man just kind of growing up inshore fishing after school and whatnot you just kind of sneak down had a little john boat we used to kind of run out and catch trout and <clears throat> flounder gigging, and whatever the water would get right and then really my offshore pelagic experience started um i don't know eight or ten traveling family vacations and whatnot and then kind of fishing with friends and it kind of morphed into really pushing to try and get the experience um you know through high school and whatnot um so it kind of started becoming an obsession when i was just started driving Yeah. one of my my early funny experiences now i can kind of tell this story that i'm older my parents and i have a great relationship but when i was 15 before i was driving i was in the ninth grade might have been 14. I was in ninth grade, so I was riding to school with my brother. My brother was a senior at the time. That was our only year we went to high school together. Was I was freshman and he was a senior. And uh, he he showed you the bad way. No, huh? yeah, no, not at all. He was he was good. I was the exact opposite, <laughs> which is funny because now we flip flopped. Now I'm yeah. a good respectable human, and he's living all on his own, traveling, being a wild man. But um, no, on a Friday afternoon, a buddy of mine invited me to go cobia fishing with his dad, and. Uh, Said, so, look, it's going to be good. Let's go. So I go to school, with my brother, book bag in hand, school clothes, whole package. Uh, <laughs> I get Taylor to drop me off at my buddy's house at seven o'clock in the morning, like we're going to school. <clears throat> and I skip school. My parents had no idea I was going fishing. So it was like <laughs> something I, I couldn't let go once I started fishing, you know, pretty hardcore offshore. Yeah. So it, <clears throat> Taylor drops me off at my buddy Ryan's house, and Ryan and his dad and I go offshore. And as a 14- or 15-year-old kid, you don't think about what's going to happen in the afternoon. Of course, school called. My parents said Colin never showed up to school. I showed up that afternoon completely sunburned, toasted from <laughs> head to toe, like book bag in hand, uh, you know, smelling like fish, salty, nasty, whatever. We went out and smashed the cobia. And uh, I got home at whatever, 5 o'clock that afternoon, 6 o'clock that afternoon. My parents were like, uh, so you didn't go to school today? I was like, no. <laughs> Well, what'd you do? Obviously, you were in the sun, so they kind of knew from the get-go. You know, yeah, it, yeah, was, we went it was something that was I was just. Passionate were they upset about.
0: with you or? uh initially. Initially, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well, I
1: skipped school to go fishing.
0: Yeah, you know? could skip school to do worse things, right? <laughs> <clears throat> definitely, definitely. So,
1: no, it just it started, and then it it grew from there.
0: And then you went to you went to college, and you were you played golf in college, right?
1: Yeah. I kind of walked on and played freshman, sophomore years, kind of back up. Uh, I guess you would call it B flight. I was too busy doing college stuff you yeah. know, to really commit <laughs> completely. Yeah, you know, rushing fraternity, trying to keep grades up, trying to play, doing gym and whatever they had us forced to do. And um, I just couldn't commit across the board to everything. Yeah. So yeah. I tried to focus on my grades first and foremost. Um, which you know that make you
0: spread yourself thin right (laughs) yeah
1: yeah for sure And um, first time being away from my parents or whatever my family everything I've known for 18 years and you just move away and go deal with all that stuff elsewhere so it becomes a lot but um, yeah even then I was still fishing in the summer and whatnot trying to keep things flowing and then uh, did the college deal for a couple years and then of course Katrina hit yeah Um, and we lost everything in Katrina so uh, yeah, your parents. Yes, yeah. yeah, so that kind of forced me back home to help out and piece together whatever remaining bits of our lives that we had, you know, just yeah. kind of shoveling shit in a pile and trying to make hay. <laughs> so, uh, that's kinda of when I moved back home full time and then um
0: You finished college, yeah? No. No, you didn't No,
1: I didn't. I, like I said, at that time I had three and a half semesters down, had probably a year to go, something like that, and That was the last thing on my mind. Yeah, yeah. My entire life was in the trees (laughs) across the street, so I didn't really care. You know, I'll go back later. Right, right. You know, trying to get my parents on their feet and trying to get me and my mental stability back to where it needed to be. So no, I kinda gave up on that and honestly is the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> <clears throat> Looking back, retrospect, thinking what would I be doing now? I'd be yeah. sitting in an office.
0: Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't see you in an office. Like I know got to know you over the years yeah. in Mexican golf and stuff and I couldn't see it. <laughs> yeah, so
1: again, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, doing the college thing was something you know, my family wanted and thought would have been best and Yeah. Most people, it is. Yeah, a lot get, of people, it is. Right? Yeah, everybody
0: yeah. finds their way a little.
1: Well, get your experience, whatever it may be. Yeah, learning yeah. your responsibilities, of how to be an adult. But, you know, it worked. Yeah. But it wasn't. It wasn't for me. It wasn't what I needed.
0: And then, like following, like college, and then like Katrina hit as well. Is that is that how you kind of like dabbled off into carpentry and stuff? Mm-hmm. And, cuz like i i noticed like around the boat and stuff i mean you're always building you know steps or something to hang something like it's it's pretty cool to watch sure. <laughs> you you make it you make it a lot easier you know <laughs> uh, well i mean it, i kind of
1: grew up with that um you were always diving off into yeah stuff well, my grandfather had a big con- commercial construction company in Pasagula. Oh, okay and uh, even as a kid i'd get up go to the job site with him and uh you know he'd check on things and it always just fascinated me on how yeah you you went from red dirt to a finished building you know he built they his company built all the hospitals and banks really? and wow uh built the middle school that we went to mm-hmm. and uh, built a lot of the schools and everything over the years so it just kind of fascinated me how to put it make all together shit with your hands yeah and uh that kind of turned me on then whenever i moved back um after the storm i had a chance to help with uh with some guys here and uh started with those guys and, and really appreciated what was going on what we were doing i just liked it you know yeah, as yeah. a kid just building shit and it kind of took over And then i went out on my own and then was doing construction full-time on my own i had a cabinet shop and doing you know how I long did you do that for uh i think i went out on my own when i was 23 or 4 and did a lot of work here in town um built a bunch of commercial stuff downtown when i was 24 years old. I had five guys working for me. Was yeah, burned. the office, huh? Wasn't that one of your? I did the office. I did another bar. Um, Hussein's brother. Yeah. Cal had a place down there in Mediterranean. I did that. Um, I did the hookup, which is now Galatz. Nice. In Biloxi, at the boardwalk. Yeah. And then I did, it was, the columns. And then uh, it's now Adventures, across some half shell. Wow. So I did several big commercial projects in my mid-20s. That's awesome, man. It was happy. It's cool to be
0: able to walk around town and be like Yeah. Yeah. You always you always
1: see these memes and jokes about people's dads. Oh worked on that house and worked on that house, but it's the same aspect, you know. I did tons of cabinets, you know, so driving around you just see shit that you've been a part of. It is nice, you know, it's flattering to know that people go in and see stuff and they really appreciate what it yeah, is yeah
0: i mean i haven't built a ton of stuff but the stuff i have i mean it's kind of cool to be like you know i did that like yeah, it's a feeling yeah. of accomplishment for Total sure Total gratitude <laughs>
1: on, on how you can see something and and really appreciate yeah what it is
0: Yeah, there's definitely like every job gives you a different type of fulfillment you know like given us like we're providing experiences for people building things you know yeah definitely yeah, gets yeah, you whatever you might we'll you for sure just mm-hmm. be happy yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Your mom was a, a artist, right?
1: Yeah, she still she still does. Uh, she does a lot of ceramics now. Really? She did painting and oils and stuff like that for a long time. Uh, landscapes and whatnot. And then now. What's her name? Chris. Chris. Chris Bird. Chris yeah. Bird. Um, so she does a lot of maritime stuff now. She does a lot of boats, That's lo- cool. like these big giant. Yeah, ornate Was actually
0: dave keith was actually the one that told me that oh really i had no idea that your mom was an artist i was like really mm-hmm.
1: she's an artist i've never <laughs> just did, yeah. i don't know how that's passed me yeah the, she's got stuff all over the coast she was a real big part in the mary of Keith for a long time on their board <clears throat> um she had a studio downtown where she taught classes for a long time um, that's cool it still does she works but she does it on her own time
0: yeah yeah that's cool that's awesome man And so then, like, following, like, the construction, like, when did you decide to get, like, into fishing and, like, make that a profession?
1: Well, it kind of took over in my mid to late 20s. You know, we've always had boats and then obviously fishing. Um, And then I had a chance to work with some guys on a charter boat around here and really kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. And I tried to push both at the same time. And uh, the charter boat started to get busier and busier and then you know construction was still there and then was that your cv yeah you that's when i first started doing pelagic trips out of here yeah um i was helping some other guys on some of their boats out of Biloxi and whatnot but when i got that boat i really started pushing true pelagic stuff and uh it started getting you know, that was a
0: 34 cv huh?
1: uh that one was yeah, the other yeah. one i had here um and it started picking up and your mind says go do what you want to do if yeah. you have the option and so I started kind of leaning in that direction um, and it went from two to eight days a month to 15 days a month and somewhere you know on the high side 15 days snapper stuff you know out of here Yeah. at the time was good you yeah. know now if I don't fish 15 days a month <laughs> kind of something's <laughs> up <Yeah. clears throat> but um, now that kind of turned into what was a passion something I love to do and something that I just I didn't want to not do yeah. so I kind of Started slowing down on my construction projects and whatnot, and then started focusing more on fishing, Yeah. and then uh actually.
0: I remember that boat too, man. That thing was like a. <laughs> thing was a yeah, at the time it was. At awesome. the time, dude, that yeah. boat was like like the one of the nicest boats on the Gulf Coast as far as big center consoles go. I mean, that thing was.
1: Yeah, it was ahead of its game for sure. <laughs> yeah, it
0: was. Yeah. You had like what you had three three fifty Mercs on that one.
1: Though. Yeah, well, they were three hundreds. Three hundred. Um, Mercs. but. It, I mean, really, at the time there wasn't but a handful of triple-engine boats.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like you saw a triple-engine boat, you're like, yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. So I uh, I put all my eggs in the basket and was able to get it. Um, I guess that was oh nine or ten. I think it was ten. It was pretty much the year of the oil spill, or right around that time. And uh, yeah, I mean it it kind of snowballed, if you would say. Right
0: and um, when did you uh, like you moved from there and you like did some big boat stuff for a while
1: yeah kind of odd story Um, really the reason I got into a lot of that stuff um, was my ex at the time was around here Mm -hmm. and uh, I decided the best thing would just be to get out yeah Uh need a different life change right go see a different place in the world or whatever and it was just something i felt like i needed to do was just separate myself from what was around here yeah
0: just your everyday life whatever it is yeah so change
1: um i had a friend of mine actually that works in venice uh introduced me to some guys and said look they're looking for a mate on a boat it was the guy, the owner was out of Grand Isle, mm-hmm. um, but they had the boat in Lauderdale and we were going to do the Bahamas and all that shit. So I said, All right, well, I'll interview just for shits and giggles. And uh, I went and sat down and kind of kicked it off with the captain that they had at the time and, like, Look, man, I'd like you to come check it out. And so I did, and I went to Lauderdale and did whatever fix and patch season. You know, you're always right. in and out of the yard changing that and moving. Mm-hmm. So we did a full season there, two, three months there and kind of fished, you know, selfish shit while we were there Um, about this time of year, January, February, you know, when it was good. Right, right. Left there and then went and did two seasons back and forth between the Bahamas and the Dominican and all that Caribbean shit in there, back and forth. And then they decided to bring the boat back to the Gulf and brought the boat back to the Gulf. And the guy that was with at the time. He had family stuff going on, so he left, and they hired a new captain. Um
0: name of that boat was uh, Kimisabi. It was.
1: Yeah, that yeah. one was. And then we, des- I decided it was tough for me being in Grand Isle uh, driving back and forth the way they wanted to fish, and the guy I was working with at the time, and I kind of didn't see eye to eye. You know, yeah. Sometimes it just happens. Yeah, it's
0: tough when you're like – close enough to get home <laughs> yeah you know and then like, <clears throat> yeah it's different when you're on an island there's nowhere else that, to go bro. right well, you <laughs> have a little more incentives when you're
1: almost yeah. to kind of hang around in yeah exactly
0: uh, for sure for sure um
1: see it so i left them and went with an outfit in orange beach and spent uh about a year or two with some guys in orange beach and really liked that program there and at the time i was
0: that was the uh
1: big valley that was a big valley that i was with them full-time fished a lot of tournament stuff throughout the years just freelancing bullshit with guys here and there and uh ended up getting with those guys um for probably a year and a half or a full season and a half summer season and a half and really liked the program and then uh actually had an opportunity to come fish with mexican golf yeah that's when you ended up yeah um i was introduced to billy wells um and billy and i kind of kicked it off on the phone conversation had like a 30 minute phone conversation one day like we've known each other our whole lives (laughs) and I said well why don't you come fish with me I said right. and I didn't know Billy that well I knew kind of who he was you know obviously Billy and Kevin and MGFC and Jordan Um, so Billy was like well look shoot on down and we'll fish a week and see what you think and we'll go from there so I said okay now looking back in retrospect knowing those guys like we know those guys so first day out billy was doing something and i ended up fishing with jordan had a good day caught some fish it was like march or something and uh jordan told billy he's like i guess he's all right he's pretty good and see what you think so i fished with billy the next day and uh whatever we leave kind of shooting the shit having a good time about lunchtime billy offered me a full-time job It's like you know if you if you want it you're good enough yeah i I can see what's going on if you want to stay you stay i said well yeah man i'd love to so i did and uh, I hadn't left. <laughs> it's been, yeah, it. kind of snowballed into yeah. Yeah, March, working with him. March will your be boat. eight years.
0: Eight years? Yeah. It's about, I think we got almost down there. What year did you get down there? 15, uh, 14?
1: It was 14. 14? Yeah, so, I mean, this March will be eight years. Yeah. Wow. Time flies, right? <laughs> yeah, really.
0: <laughs> and you're about to um, get your your next boat sometime soon, huh?
1: Yeah, I picked it up. Um, a few days before Christmas. It was the second forty two Freeman for me. I had a thirty seven prior to that that I've owned and then of course ran Billy's boats and shit for years before that. Right. But uh picked it up I guess the week before Christmas. Nice. So I've had it two, three weeks and it's getting wrapped and getting ceramic coated and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Huh? Get to t- dialed shit. in. <laughs> right. All my stuff's here at the house. I disassembled the last boat and all my anchors and life jackets and yeah. nonsense poly balls and junk are all sitting in my shed downstairs so nice. hopefully i'm gonna go get it wednesday pull it through and uh when you start back fishing uh middle of february mid february i've got brooks got some stuff going on at the beginning of the month and we're gonna try and travel a little bit before my season really fires off there you go that'll so. be
0: fun good to hear that man so like uh I, I want to pull some of these stories out of you and I spent a lot of time on the water um, you know f- either fishing on the Big Valley or with Billy you know like I'm sure you've had some big blue marlin experiences or whatever whatever kind of story you want to pull out of the,
1: um, one of those I've had <clears throat> there's really probably two I'd say <clears throat> people say giants when I say giants giants you know those are the only two that really stick out in my head if you're really talking about blue marlin we've had numerous double digit days like in the dominican stuff you have 10 11 12 but they're wow
0: i've never had a day they're 100 pound fish yeah right right
1: it's (laughs) like it's fun it's Mm -hmm. it's watching them come in and do all that cool shit but as far as size um i'd say it was the day before one of the orange beach tournaments and i was on a charter out here and we were at Horn Mountain, and I had some guys, and we were doubled or tripled up on yellows or something like that. And all of a sudden, you know, one of them shoots to the surface right underneath the boat, and you're like, "Well, shit, we lost him." Yeah. Five seconds later, boom, smokes the bottom <laughs> of the boat. You know, two on the other side are still, you know, going off. Slam! This other one hits the bottom of the boat. I'm like, "Oh, what you know, what's that?" And I look over and I look down, I'm like, "Some bitch!" There's, whatever, 70 pound fish laying, hiding. And uh, I'm like, well, that's weird. Either a shark or a blue marlin. Of course, customer first thing he says, "Look at this big shark!" All right, well, I turned and I look, and on the other side of the boat, all I saw was blue, like a flash. I'm like, "Well, you know, obviously it's not a shark. <laughs> not a shark. Right? Yeah." So I'm looking around, looking around, and about that time I was digging, looking for a, a blue leader or something like that, trying to try and just tie some bullshit on I didn't have any. Of course, I, I wasn't marlin fishing. I just right, had right. all my tuna shit out. So I end up rigging some stuff on, to reach over and grab this 70-pound yellowfin and hammer a big old hook through the top of his head, pitch <laughs> him right back out, and this fish eats it, piles on the fish. We got it all on video, piles right next to the boat. Really? Oh, yeah. Eats <laughs> eats right next to the boat, fish turns, goes underneath the boat, and just slowly starts creeping. So we're feeding them and feeding them. And it was on that C V which is 10 feet wide. Yeah. And I remember standing on the live well, and the fish, it was flat calm. And the fish, the head and the bill was out one side, and the tail was still <laughs> out the other side of the boat. Holy cow. At the same time, Damn it was flat calm, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, it was on a Thursday, I remember very specifically, because the real fire boys, the Ferrara boys, killed that fish the next day, and that was the 899 that they really? broke the Alabama record for. They ran straight to that rig. <laughs> <coughs> I was there the day That's before. That's so crazy
0: because uh... – Mike Roberto told that story on this podcast. Really? Catching that fish.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he was running that boat. Yeah, he was running the boat. Well, I caught that fish the day before. You
0: caught it or you hooked it? No, he caught it. Really? Yeah.
1: Caught it, wired it, built it, cut it, let it roll.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) The whole thing. Oh, yeah. You think it was the same fish? You really do? It's hard to really say. You can't really.
1: Well, no. Can I confirm? No. Do I have (laughs) a strong feeling? I doubt there's multiple 900 pound fish. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, this fish was every bit, I mean, if my boat was 120 inches wide and the fish was out both sides of the boat at the same time, with my own eyes, I saw it. So the fish was, you know, 130 inch fish and that fish they killed was like a 132 or something like that. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was 899. I it mean, was giant fish. <laughs> yeah. So that was one. And then it's Billy- so
0: crazy to think about. Like, I, I don't know, like you hear people talk about whenever you talk about blue marlin and stuff that, you know. It could, you know, it was the same fish. Patrick Ivey talked about this on the podcast, too. But, I mean, it's true. Like, how many giant fish like that do you really think are at the,
1: Yeah, I think there's more than we know. Yeah. I think they're there. They're smart, you know. You hook a lot of them. I'm not saying you catch a lot of them. And now these guys that are pretty much, I would say, doing this for a living. But the guys that are doing the blue marlin stuff, I have a total appreciation for what they're doing because they're straight dialed in. Right, right, right. <laughs> as much as I hate saying it, the equipment helps, but these guys are really, really good, you know
0: it's really impressive to watch them too because oh, yeah. like I it's funny talking to some of them like just through doing this podcast and stuff, I'll talk to them and they'll be so impressed to like you know we'll show up and they'll catch we'll catch a bunch of tunas, you know, because we're you know showing up yeah. with a ton of bait doing the thing right, but at the same time, we're sitting in the boat going, man are they really hooked up on one again
1: well we kind of <laughs> yeah. joke and you laugh like if you if they sit more than two or three hours and you don't see them in reverse there's no fish there yeah because almost you pull up and it's tournament season and there's a big boat there and we know the the, the ones dozens. that are know what right. they're doing. we know yeah. the dozen boats that are really getting on them so you right. kind of hang out and be like, all right well we'll spend a little time in this rig because obviously they're marking them mm-hmm. you know i'm seeing them and marking mm-hmm. them or hooking them and they're so, yeah, so, I'll hang out and see if they catch one. And sure enough, 30 minutes later, you look over. And, <laughs> Black smoke. Yeah, one of them <laughs> shooting in reverse, cutting up next to the rig or doing whatever the hell he's doing. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool to watch those guys do. And it's it's good.
0: impressive to me how every aspect of fishing, how much better, you know, we've gotten at catching whatever you want to catch. Yeah. I mean – they got people man. you know videoing these this brush pile to catch a crappie you know right <laughs> <That's> well amazing
1: <laughs> this cane pole on the triple tail operation is getting pretty dialed in <laughs> yeah yeah that's been a lot of fun man There's yeah a, out,
0: the cane poles we'll have to get you out there on one
1: <laughs> you know craig's had me dabble a little um it's just hard for me i don't get a, i don't get a chance i'm not yeah. lucky enough to have those off days if i'm in venice i'm working but i'm working on that next year <laughs> next year i'll have some time off so maybe we'll sneak out one afternoon
0: yeah yeah well man tell i know you had another blue marlin story i didn't mean to cut yeah but...
1: no uh, uh billy billy and i um probably my first or second year with him had some of his regulars on the boat and uh we we're at a drill ship out by tanker i'm pretty sure it was ice max or something the one that was there forever um Late in the day, fighting, finally hook a nice fish and fighting a nice fish, like a 100-pounder. Yeah. And uh fish comes up to the boat and eats the 100-pounder. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of, you tell guys, oh, well, what do these blue marlin eat? Well, they eat these yellowfin. You have yeah, this is,
0: we're fishing for bait, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're like, oh, well,
1: uh, a blue marlin's going to eat that 40-pound yellowfin? Yeah, well, I've seen them eat bigger than that. And that's probably the biggest one I've ever seen them eat is it was, fish was comfortably 90-plus. Could have been crazy. could have been 110 if it was fat and round, you know, just yeah. get that belly I've on. I've seen
0: him eat 40, 50 pounders, but I've never seen uh, one he that It's got to be so impressive. He gulped
1: to a 100 pounder right next to the boat, <laughs> like five feet on the boat. Well, that's crazy.
0: Man. Yeah. So it's crazy he, to think about that, you know, just that.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, until you see it. You yeah. Know, it's hard to explain it. And Hell, half people can't really grasp that that's, that is bait that's yeah. food for another animal regardless <laughs> of the size you know just bigger fish eat bigger bait yeah so what happened with that fish Um mm. uh, Nah, now we we toyed with him for a minute and popped him off we weren't really trying to and the guys that we had were you know you get guys that are meat guys yeah Dude.
0: talk about that a little bit because like it's it's funny to me how like you know somebody like you know me and you that have caught tunas you know day after day you're always looking for something different, really. That's why we're out there. You yeah. Know, something that makes you go, whoa, that's crazy, you know. And then, like, the Blue Marlin finally does it, you know, after a few days, and and, and your people are after, you know, the, you know that, mm-hmm. you know. It definitely does kind of take the coolness
1: off of it when people are like, oh, we can't eat it, you know. <laughs> well, that's 50-50. I mean, I like doing what they like to do. Every now and then I like to do what mm-hmm. I like to do as far as being on the boat fishing, but, um in the end it's ultimately whatever they want to do you know yeah. i've caught blue marlin i've seen big blue marlin i've hooked you know yeah. countless amounts of blue marlin but seeing what the customers want to do when they you know catch their first yellow is something that's pretty special yeah it is pretty
0: cool they watch whatever it is their first Some yeah, people for yeah. some people it's their first blue marlin
1: that no, might just be the highlight of their first trip. offshore experience yeah the one that still gets me and I kind of Chuckle in my seat as I'm riding around. As the guys that see the rigs for the first time, they can't get over the, the yeah. idea of <laughs> the damn oil the rig. Yeah, oil rig, and you ride right by one. And sometimes we catch bait. We leave. I you know. I turn autopilot on, and you know I'm sitting there watching, looking for whatever's floating or running around. But um, yeah, we'll run 50 feet from a rig, and you know, customers in a beanbag freak out. When they yeah. ride right by this monster city. You know, yeah. steel city. So it is
0: impressive. I remember. It's always fun. We got there, and the customer gets out of the beanbag, and he looks at the rig for the first time, and he goes, well, if that don't scream America. <laughs> and I was like, that oh, is, yeah. the that is like, the best thing you could have said, you know. Just mm. burning fuel. <laughs> just put a big old slab mm. of metal right here in the I middle like of this it. ocean.
1: <laughs> burning fuel, nice and rusty, <laughs> with some roughnecks on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an impressive place. Like, uh, just – it, it's almost like uh, Venice, Louisiana, and that whole, th- that, you know, the fact that we have all those rigs, it's like the perfect scenario for fish. Like, you can't 100%. think of a whole lot to make
1: it any better. Yeah, no. uh, it breaks my heart. They're tearing all those rigs out of there, too. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the things. The last they, couple of years, it's unbelievable what they're doing down there.
0: Yeah, tearing up the rigs, man, it sucks. And it's, yeah. I mean, they've gotten so good at the offshore drilling that they're tearing up the the smaller ones, and they're, you know.
1: Well, there's some Go sort further, of, further. and I've had, I had the guys, um, one of the guys that worked for Tyler's last year, and Pomp, he called it Pompano, and he gets out of a beanbag and has no idea where the hell he is, big old heavyset guy from Texas, gets out of a beanbag and he looks up and he looks straight at the rig and goes, huh, that's my rig. I was like, uh that's pumping a boba let me text one of my guys he pulls his phone out and he's texting the guys on the rig while we're at 989 i said how you know about?" he said well i'm whatever management head guy of talus that runs that runs the rig but uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah just seeing those guys out there and what they could do and then he was talking about how much the some sort of production ratio where they have an x amount of income where the each individual rig or what's going to cost to maintain it apparently that's why they're pulling a lot of the shallow ones you know obviously derelict rigs and just yeah. stuff in the area which
0: i mean it's pretty much that the the ones believe. offshore are just pr- producing so much more yeah. than the ones that are there well on the there's shelf no ma- there's
1: little to no maintenance on the ones out there they're just producing where's all the shallow stuff's been there for 30 years yeah and i gotta go through x y and z to get it back to code or operational and just the general upkeep on it it's yeah. just a lot apparently it just makes it's way of financial age. sense right to, it's to way, way do it with my why i mean however right. much money they spent to pull lena
0: yeah gosh that was a relic <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> as much of a relic as any rig yeah. out there is <laughs> yeah yeah it was a a sad sight to see uh to see lena go for sure man like, yeah
1: yeah definitely I mean, one of my favorites my long time favorites
0: there's been several i don't know what more we can do to try and save it it's kind of i feel like a i don't know it's a hard battle to win you're talking about that much money
1: it is you know and ultimately the oil field owns operates and manages it so you're not necessarily fighting some sort of uh, wildlife coalition or you know, another maritime coalition, whatever it may be, you're fighting an oil field. Yeah. And whatever, you know, whatever they say goes ultimately with their equipment. Yeah. Yeah. You can't really stop that, which is good for them, bad for us, and sometimes (laughs) vice versa.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, talking about, like, maybe, like, some of the more epic days you might have had on, uh, like, tuna fishing, and I know, like, sharks might be in, in that equation they as are well. Now. Yeah. So like uh I know you've had some pretty awesome days on the maybe behind the shrimp boats or some of those late fall days.
1: Um yeah, I mean big fish days or just
0: yeah, big fish days any kind of weird scenario something that
1: happened. Um Well, yeah, we've had several days. You know, I'm lucky enough to spend a lot of my time out there and very fortunate to have our clientele base. We're booked, so I get a chance to see it a lot. But, uh, you know, epic lump days where you pull up, first bait hits the waters, a hammer. <laughs> the, the lump is something else when it's going, man. Yeah, you know, it's great. Um, it's just not what it used to be, you no. know, between all the boats. Um, it kind of really spread the whole project out. Um, and it's definitely the new thing to do in February, March, is to go lump fishing it, and, and then when you catch those one days where you're the first boat there, you're the, one of the last boats there. It's pretty awesome when they finally do cooperate. Yeah. And then same thing like shrimp boat fishing. <clears throat> I caught that one of the one of my bigger fish of the year. I caught behind a shrimp boat in July. Really? Yeah. So how big? How big was that fish? it Was 189. Wow. It was like mid July. <laughs> Which is crazy because you don't get big yellows. And yeah, r- a lot of people might know that.
0: Don't. I guess is like you know fishing. Uh, you, you kind of pick your spots based on the time of year. A lot of times in mm-hmm. July wouldn't be necessarily. The no, time so we were heading
1: offshore, and uh I was late to the party. I was struggling catching bait that morning. We were leaving the 40 block on the east side and a couple of our guys and some other boats were ahead of me a little bit and I could kind of hear them chattering about, you know, it was it was good and then kind of slowed down. Um, so I wasn't in a rush to get out there. You know, usually you give the fish a couple hours, they'll kind of kick back off again if they're in one area. So we left and I'm taking my time and literally had to run into the side of this trawl boat. So we were right there, um, just east of... The horseshoe a little bit um right there by 289 290 the salt dome and stuff like that so we'll stop and check it just for shits and giggles and i had Reese with me and we pull up and throw out a couple baits and hook one and uh drift off you know a couple hundred yards throw out some more baits hook another one and uh ended up losing one and then sat and fought one for a while and i had a couple guys on the boat and they got tired and gassed, and so I actually harnessed in, which is one of the first times I've harnessed in in a long time, really July <laughs> flat calm, not a puff of wind, totally gassing stale. everybody out, <laughs> oh yeah, <clears throat> so I'm harnessed in i'll i fight the fish an hour hour and a half, finally get him up, get a look at him, and saw his you know full grown and get the dart out, dart him, throw him on a deck, but yeah, I mean, it was July, wow, which is really rare, usually september late August, September is, you know kind of when we start seeing them consistently.
0: Yeah. What's the closest that you've seen tunas to, like, land in Venice?
1: One mile. One mile? Yeah, Billy and I were catching them south, not too far from South Pass. And then – Really? So, like, you're caulking a couple of Yeah, we were a little, we were a little feet feet farther than more. one mile. But, I mean, you could see the jetties. We were inside the 7s a fair wow. ways. that's so crazy. And <laughs> then uh, we were catching them in the 12s, like, two years ago, inside, inside the 12s, between the 12s and the sandbar. Wow, that's super close. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: mean, because the twelves aren't really twelve miles from land. They're like no, well, they're
1: twelve miles from South Pass. Yes, from South Pass. Not twelve miles from Northeast. Right. Yeah, we were five miles. That's so crazy.
0: It's cool to see how close those tunas will come into land over there. If they want to. Yeah, if they want to, they're given the right conditions. And then, like the the sharks have always, the past few years, it's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, like. Me and uh I went and dove a couple of rigs by the uh by the by the horseshoes this past fall and I don't I don't know I mean I've seen like schools of sharks, but I don't know if I've seen one like this dense. Like, was that BLM? with Anthony? no that was with my brother we didn't do that well we shot a few fish and stuff and uh we didn't we didn't do too well we 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 were trying to go on the on the trawl boats but we we went and there was just i'm telling you like i mean a sure enough wall of sharks and they were not you know scared at all come follow you all up but i remember diving with my brother and being like man have you ever seen sharks this bad out here and i mean what did your dad
1: say he's been doing it forever
0: (laughs) I. Definitely. He, he's he's definitely said there's been times where he was like, I haven't seen this before, you know, in the past couple of years. Yeah.
1: Know. Yeah. Well, I mean, we both spent enough time growing up and it's never it's been wild, like this. It's wild,
0: man. It's really, really weird to see mm-hmm. it. I mean, especially, I don't know, like, I don't know if you were a part of some of the trips this year that I heard about, but I, you know, I fish inshore, so I hear a lot of stuff, but this year it was, like, sure enough tunas and as soon as you would hook them it's just enough to slow them down (laughs) just to get eaten you know yeah
1: no we we pretty much gave up on light leader on like the shelf shit either you hook them and catch them in 90 seconds or you just lose every one of them yeah so and that's a shame because there's tons of fish in there you just can't get to them and then even offshore you know we were running we say offshore you know past the 40 50 mile range so you're running to from us from venice nikika and thunder horse and the compound and stuff like that and you get out there and there's sharks everywhere that's in blue water it's been blue for months and yeah. there's sharks everywhere out there that's wild well i guess it's just the new norm <laughs> you know, just dealing with it whatever we can <laughs> we, need, we need to have
0: somebody doing shark charters down there <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Somebody uh, would do it right?, uh, <laughs> do I know? would pay to do that actually <laughs> if we could figure out how to do that. That's the weirdest uh, thing to me is that they're protecting uh more sharks, but they're not like protecting any of the other fish that we're killing,
1: yeah, so well, from, the people that read the data and the info I think have a skewed perception of what's really there,
0: yeah, I'm supposed to be talking to somebody uh, Pretty soon, um, I've been emailing back and forth with him, but I'm supposed to be talking with somebody pretty soon. He's he's well know like he's got like some type of degree with like sharks. He does a lot of work with sharks, but he's also really into stock assessments, and that's what I I really want to know more about how we assess how many fish are out there. So it'll be cool. Hopefully, I know there's definitely an
1: influx of those guys. (laughs) I sure would like to delete half of them. We'd probably still have an issue if we deleted half of them. (laughs) That's out of control yeah
0: so um what what do you think i mean we're talking kind of on the line of conservation right now we've talked a little bit about like the rigs and stuff but what do you what more do you think we can do as like uh, charter captains to kind of you know
1: keep it going um you know obviously management of our our stock is definitely something that's been on top of all of our minds even the last couple years um you know venice is known for tuna town and these guys have this perception that you go and you catch and you kill everything you can which is i wouldn't say been our mo for the last 20 years but it's been common more times than not yeah um so i know a lot of the guys in the area have got away from truly harvesting everything and kind of be respectful of what's around us you know live and let go some of the stuff that we don't need to take you know take yeah. what, take take what you can and leave the rest so yeah
0: that's the that's right that's the, that's the word um I don't know man it it's 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 really weird one of the things I've noticed I just got back from traveling a little bit and like a lot of other places you don't have to put forth the amount of time fuel and money to go and catch a tuna or a wahoo you know what I mean a lot of times in like little island places and stuff like it's not that bad to go out you know for a few hours you catch one and come in you know that's right. not that bad but if you're spending all this money here in this boat and you just ran 70 miles and it's like all right you know one or two could feed us for dinner but we just spent all this time money and effort to get out here it's like you you kind of want to justify
1: it to obligate, obligated way. to catch a couple more no, i, yeah. I kind of agree with you on that you know what we do is not cheap not e nor is it easy <clears throat> you don't yeah, I always joke with my customers why don't y'all have more you don't have women and kids which are very few and far between in Venice but Venice is hard to get to you know yeah. so it's not like you're at the beach in Destin and you walk down the dock and say hey man let's go try this out with my my family yeah no. um, so <laughs> one getting to Venice is hard yeah. you know it takes a lot of effort so yeah,
0: even if you fly into the closest airport you're still got right an hour and a half drive, yeah you
1: know? yeah so I mean it it it, it you don't just stumble upon the area um yeah. so i can see what guys want to put the effort you know they they set apart a, a long weekend or, or a week or whatever it may be so i can kind of understand where they really want to go and they want to put the time in on some good fish and the same with us you know i don't want to go out and catch two or three i like catching 10 15 <laughs> yeah, or 20 yeah, I, you, know, yeah I, you get I a lot out of it yeah, yeah you yeah, like yeah. to catch a lot of fish but at the same time you know if we don't pay attention to what our harvesting out of the gulf um I think it could potentially in the long run do some damage. So, I think a lot of us have got where we only, you know, catching what we feel like the customers will take. Because sometimes we get customers, yeah. and it always works out like that. Because the guys that show up, they don't tell you anything. They just want to go catch a bunch of tuna. Yeah. They brought one cooler. Yeah. That's whatever, an 85 quart. And you caught eight 60 yeah. pounders. Yeah. And it's four guys. You know, what do you do? So, you kind of learn to feel out the program and how the people are reacting and what they're looking to take.
0: Yeah, that's definitely what I've done as a captain because, like, of course, I'm always trying to feel good about what I'm doing, right? Like, because if somebody said – I mean, I've had days in the past where, you know, some older guy come up to you on the dock and say, you know, why the hell did you kill all this? Why the hell did you – or if somebody does, I want to have a good answer. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I think what I've done is tried to, you know, like just exactly what you just said is like – what what's the goal of this trip like you know you ask them in the morning like how much fish do you guys want to take you know and a lot of times you'll find that like they don't really care you know too much about what you had in your mind like you know like you've just had people that only wanted tuna or only wanted redfish for the last 10 days and then these people get on their boat and man, we just want to have a good time you know like whatever you want to do yeah i mean it's and it's hard to you know kind of mitigate that and really know because a lot of times you might have one guy that wants to fill up the entire boat and then you got these other guys that could give (laughs) you know so it's like
1: i catch one for dinner and we're good yeah
0: exactly and you can't really make everybody happy you know what i mean i mean i guess you can i guess the answer is to go kill a bunch of them but uh you know i i feel a lot better if if i know if i cleaned all these fish and i give it to them that they went and they ate all of it, and you know the ones—the ones that are caring about how it's, you know, packed they're, and yeah, they're taking care, care of, of it yeah, and everything—and oh yeah. they're showing you recipes and asking you how to cook it and this and that, like you know. And then you get those people on your boat, and they're like, "Oh man, I still got some from last time, you know." <laughs> yeah, or you like, "Hey
1: guys, you want to give me a hand with this?" And there's forty fillets laying on the table, and they're upstairs yeah <laughs> I don't know if they could care less so i mean yeah they couldn't care about how it's packed but I, I know both of us have spent enough time we can kind of i'd say in the first five minutes you get an idea of what the group's like yeah. you know as far as what they really want to take and what they want to catch and how committed they are you yeah. know to actual fishing some guys do it just because it's something fun to do which is great you know i love those guys because they're the easiest and you get guys that are there looking to fill the freezer yeah. or what not, they promise which, which under, and whatnot yeah, which is understanding you know yeah. pay the money and I like fish in my freezer too so yeah exactly. I kind of understand
0: it all like I, I definitely like I don't know that's one of the reasons I love fishing so much is because I like to eat fish you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: my favorite thing is the bite the I bite like, yeah, really yeah doesn't matter what it is no yeah I, I, customers ask me all the time and I wish I could give them a real answer but nine, nine out of ten times it's the bite. The bite, yeah. Yeah, whatever it may be. Watching a tuna blow up or feed or eat a bite. Or originally where I started was, you know, trout fishing and stuff like that. Watching yeah. a topwater
0: bite. I guess for a god it's more about, like, you know you're in this place for this
1: reason and they should be biting like Well, this, I mean, you, you, know you know trick I mean? the fish into feeding. Yeah. So the bite, I got that creature to commit on what I'm presenting to it. And it liked it enough that it wanted to feed on whatever it may be, you know. So, the bite, the bite's why I like it. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. I, th- I'd,
0: I'd say most anglers probably. I don't know. I'd say a lot of anglers do like the fight too. A lot of people.
1: True anglers, guys that want to do it, you know, they travel. They like getting. They like getting in down a harness and, dirty, and get yeah. stomped on by a fish, and which I don't mind it, you know. For. Yeah, they like the
0: feeling of beating that fish.
1: Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it is. It's commitment. Yeah, well, you harness in, or you get in the chair. You know, I've <laughs> seen guys be in a chair for ten hours. Ten hours? You fought yeah. a fish
0: for ten hours? I did.
1: I watched one of the owners fight a fish <laughs> for ten hours. Was a like,
0: big blue marlin?
1: Yeah, but I mean, it went down, it died, and we're on bullshit. You know, sixty. Of it. Sixty or eighty pound main line so you really can't just stomp on them. Right, right. And the fish gets tail wrapped and sounds, and so you're floating it and dragging it. And then it comes unwrapped a little and makes a little run and goes down and two to four, or four to six, and after about five or six hours, you're just like, what's going on here? <laughs> what's happening? What's your
0: biggest sword?
1: Not big. Not big. Two fi I got two two fifties. Come on, I beat you in the bay boat. Yeah, you stomp me. <laughs> I feel bad about it, too, because so everybody that goes out, you know, it's my third time would ever bait down and catch big ones. Although, I've caught a lot. Yeah, you caught a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> Years ago. I you were, like, kind of, like, getting into
0: Venice when it was kind of well, daytime Billy, was I
1: pushed Billy to really start daytime, and that was one of the things that I wanted to start doing. Then we had some buddies that really, like, kind of, I would say, had it dialed in, and we all kind of started um, around the same time, um, mm-hmm. another guy here from the coast really was spending a lot of time doing it before we, you know, the Venice fleet really started hitting hard. And then my, pretty much my first year, we started like total yeah. commitment. We went for it, and uh that first year, I remember Billy and I swordfish for five days straight, and we caught multiple fish five days in a row, which is completely unheard of. Wow! And then you know obviously Jordan and and Billy and I were doing it all at the same time and then Hunter Hunter was you know obviously they they were all daytime and well before I got there they just weren't catching them consistently Mm -hmm. and then uh and then you know that first year everybody kind of starts figuring a lot of shit out so and then of course peace was right there you know we were all about five or six of us that really started fishing them hard then it kind of I wouldn't say it became the thing but it really became a Time an there an we option.
0: Tuna town was going to be sword town.
1: <laughs> yeah, Swordsville. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know it was it was great, and it still is an incredible fishery. Um, I would Do you feel like
0: it's declined since whenever you guys started finding these? Yes and spots
1: no. And um, we've spent several years just trying new spots, so. I like the fact that you just want to see something you want to see and you like and you want to commit and you want to like man that looks like a really good spot let's try that, and it produces. Yeah. Um, so I like that idea and and perception of trying new shit and all that stuff, which um, is is done well for us. But I feel like it's so much of a common thing now that yeah. it's congested in some of the areas that we like to fish a lot, but. I can't be upset about it, it's fishing, it's fishing, you know. Yeah, you
0: can't be mad at the guy that's trying to do the same thing. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, so I'm, I'm, it is what it is at this point. Um, I wouldn't say it was as good as it used to be, only for the fact that there used to be three to eight boats fishing, now there's on average ten plus daily Mm -hmm. on these certain areas, so, you know, depends on your angle. How oh, you yeah. want to look at it?
0: There's a lot of real estate out there. <laughs> there is. Yeah. And that's the thing that's weird to me with, like, especially you see it a lot with, like, sword fishing because people are so apt to just get a spot from somebody and go reverse. And and instead of, like, having that adventure seeking to, like, go and find something that nobody else has, you know, there's a lot more people that would rather, you know, get a hunch or get a tip from somebody than to really go out there and,
1: and try to, <laughs> You know, well, it. then again, it it's fishing, and the good thing about it is when you know when the days are rough and you can't run hundred miles, you know it gives you great options. You know, at least yeah, your customers not, have have something that they can turn to.
0: I guess I'm getting a new boat, so I might have to break it out again at some point.
1: Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Me too. I guess I have to knock the cobwebs off my my reels. <laughs> Go see what that's all about. But what do you, what would you say your favorite
0: is? Like your favorite type of fishing. That, if there yeah. is one for you.
1: just as i was saying a minute ago man I, lo- I love it all it's all about the bite for me yeah it doesn't matter i, I'm, I feel like
0: i'm the same exact way <laughs> especially yeah. when you dial in something like like really good you know what you're about to do it's almost like it's not as fun as if you could go figure out <laughs> you know something, something else that's completely different animal. completely yeah. different you know? Nah,
1: i mean i really like tuna fishing just for the fact that even though it is tuna fishing throughout our year it's all different just primarily because of bait yeah um so the way we fish tunas even though it's the same species you fish between five and eight different types of tuna fishing throughout the year maybe right. even ten
0: your tactics change yeah constantly. yeah
1: yeah. so with bait everything's different Yeah. depending on your bait you do this depending on the time of the year you have this bait and you do this you know xyz regardless the same animal you're after is tuna but it's all different so it's fun because it's not monotonous i mean if you went out and pulled lures no offense to the lure guys but i mean (laughs) if you went out and pulled lures 12 months out of the year it'd probably get boring yeah you know but when you're going out in april and you're pogey fishing so that's one type of fishing and the way you feed the fish and everything reacts is completely in one manner and then you go out and using an herring. That's different. Hornbills, hardtails, mullet, right?
0: Chum. And it takes to talk about like thinking about that. Like to me, take thinks about like the amount of time and years it takes to figure out those oh, yeah. different tactics, time of year, and everything. I mean, it's it's crazy the amount of knowledge that like people like me and you have learned from other people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then seeing like putting your own twist on it and then it like takes it to even the next level and then like it keeps happening like generation well if you generation
1: don't pay attention people. to what's going on around you you're going to become obsolete yeah you know you got to evolve yeah the guys that just go do the same thing over and over and over they're the ones that are stuck in the rabbit wheel but the ones that figure out and like oh well they did this this and this and that worked you know the fish responded in this manner and then yeah. maybe i'll present the baits in that manner it just kind of Yeah, Uh, it helps you evolve and become better. That's one thing I've always noticed about
0: you, Colin. Is like you always have this like burning desire to get better at whatever you're doing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Not everybody has that, but you do have like a burning black cloud
1: over my head my entire (laughs) life. So uh, I prefer not to talk about it. It's a gift and a curse. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's not obsessive compulsive, but I have a problem with things just being mediocre and as they are right you want them to be the best yeah right. well there's always a way to get better right whether it's your boat or your skills or whatever it may be your physical vision. health whatever yeah yeah whatever so there's always a way to get better yeah. i like fi- i like finding out how to get better
0: yeah so, that's how you <laughs> man better. that's a hell of a way to end in end this podcast man i think that's a a great message and i, I always wonder like why like why humans as we are we want to get we like we all have a burning desire to get better at something you know some people it's not you know it's not as defined but you know that burning desire to get better is i don't know it's weird it's going to put us to somewhere (laughs) i think yeah it's it's cool to see how everything's progressed when you're talking about fishing and
1: i think it separates as they say the men from the boys (laughs) so yeah man i'm very lucky and uh to be where i am and i'm very appreciative of the people that have helped put me where i am and i appreciate this whole program you've done for me paul so yeah man thanks for coming on thanks, it thanks. was uh it
0: was fun uh, enjoyed the beers and yes, uh until next time Cheers, maybe in a couple years we'll do it again well <laughs> we got season
1: season will be here shortly
0: yes it will yes it will all right guys y'all have a good one thanks again see you. thanks for listening everybody Please give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram at Tunatown Talks. Also, if you'd like to book a charter with me, you can do so by visiting our website at mgfishing.com. That's Mexican Gulf website, where you'll find my online booking calendar with all my open dates. And remember, guys, always be safe while out on the water.